Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 165. As always, uh, rate, review, download, subscribe, and tell a friend. I know you're mouthing that along with me when you're hearing this. We appreciate the support. I am very excited about every Soccer OG podcast. Truly excited about here because of everything that is happening We're going to have Doug McIntyre of Fox Sports join me in the business end to talk about the U.S. men's September roster, which shows a a big turn here. I think everyone's going to be pretty pleased about the direction this this federation, this team is going, and on the men's side in particular, and how these rosters are built. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the relationship between Greg Berhalter and Gio Reyna and where it was, where it's going, a lot to discuss. We will talk about Luis Rubiales and the Spanish Federation and what I have seen from the American media, which is starting to get a little tiresome. That's coming up on Stoppage Time. You're going to want to hear it. I'm going to lay it down, lay it down like the 80s hair metal band Rat used to do. You know you really want to lay it down right now. Well, not now. And stoppage time a little bit. Rat never hurt nobody. Great band. Alexi Lalas' favorite band, by the way. We're going to talk about the Champions League draw. We're going to talk about... What else am I going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about Messi. And it's just been a great day. I'm happy to be with you. Great show ahead. Business end stoppage time. We're going to cover a lot of ground. Short time to get there. Let's go. We are back, and I am here at the uh, Bretos studio, the Bretos studio here at the Ponderosa. Got off a plane a little bit ago um, from St. Louis, part of MLS season pass, did St. Louis FC Dallas. I'm very excited because tomorrow I'll jump on a plane to go to Seattle to cover Seattle-Portland. I'll be calling the game with Phil Neville. I love my partner, Brian Dunseth. I'm so excited and uh, proud of the work we've done. He's going to be busy with... uh, Turner in U.S. soccer, and we'll get back together, but it's nice to to build a new relationship. I don't know, Phil, but look forward to uh, introducing myself and calling a game. You know, it's funny. Hey, how are you? Let's call a game. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, meeting someone and dating them right away. No? You get very intimate. Hooking up. Hey, what's going on? Okay, I, that probably took that a little too far, but uh, <laughs> get the gist of it. I want to take my hat off again to the folks at St. Louis City um, all the folks there, I'm going to have Lutz Van Steel on this podcast. They said anytime you need him, he'll be on here. They're doing incredible work. They had an, uh, an amazing uh, uncover for kid, kick childhood cancer where the fans turned over the, the, the signs in the stadium. It was beautiful. It was invigorating. It made you want to kick childhood cancer. And we should all kick childhood cancer. So another incredible day. Uh, I made a big stink last time I was there. I wanted to try toasted ravioli, which is ravioli fried, but it's it's delicious, and you can eat it with your hands. So St. Louis's contribution to world cuisine gets my thumbs up. I had artichoke ravioli this time, which was very good. And the folks at St. Louis City said, because you made that stink last time, we have a different food vendor come in, and they bring me food. There was a Filipino food vendor. Her name escapes me, uh, but they brought their... Uh, their sausage and their rice and it was sweet and bacon bits. Oh, it was beautiful. So they treat me well. They also have a ice cream dispenser for the media so you can have a little ice cream. I went into the Spanish booth. They were doing their first St. Louis game to let them know that the ice cream machine was running. When I walked into their Spanish booth, they already had ice cream in their hand. Rascals. So uh, it's a very cool. Did you know? I mean, I learned about these cities. St. Louis at one time was going to be uh, the U.S. capital. They wanted to move it to St. Louis because of its location, to be you know, the gateway to the West. It was short-lived. It didn't happen. But it just goes to show, I mean, St. Louis is, the, the soccer team's been great. Other stuff's been great. But that's a city that's hit some hard times. I hope they can hit some good times. But, uh, uh, you know, local politics, all of that, hopefully they get to it. Because I like it. I like the people there are fantastic. Uh, the history's fantastic. There really is a lot to do. I haven't done any of it, but I was told about this, this, a park, this free zoo, uh, things that you could do, eat, yada, yada, yada. All right, that's enough. But I'm looking forward to the folks in Seattle. Uh, KEXP radio there is like the best radio in the country, so I like to listen to that, a lot of the alt-rock. I'm actually going to see Sylvan Esso at the Greek Theater tonight. 
I hope you guys are getting the concerts. I saw Metallica Sunday. By the way, you know, it went viral that Jason Momoa was in the pit at Metallica at SoFi Stadium, and they were posting about it. Guess who posted a video in the pit at Metallica two days earlier? Me. Go check Embretos on Instagram. You could see me in the pit. I was with a bunch of Raider fans who commandeered these mops, and we were carrying the mop in the pit. That's how I roll. So we're excited, too, about uh, getting out to concerts. So do it. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Very exciting. Champions League draw is out. And I just want to talk a little bit about that. Actually, let me talk about Messi because we have a big game here in Los Angeles. LAFC, the reigning champion, to take on Messi. I saw something after I I was watching the uh, Inter-Miami game against Nashville in Miami, scoreless tie. And it, it got me thinking about what's going on with Messi. And this is it's not going to end well this season. I think with the incredible run, the League's Cup, the Open Cup, it is clear as day it is not going to end well here because Miami are still an unfinished product. They have too much ground to make up in the playoffs. So they have to win at least half, if not five or six games. It's just not going to happen, which is going to be a huge miss for MLS. And that's not Messi's fault. Inter Miami dug a hole for themselves. They shouldn't have been that far down. But the playoffs, which could have been this, you know, Messi slipping into the eighth spot and facing the number one seed, FC Cincinnati, maybe pulling off an upset, that'd be incredible. But it's not going to happen. I'll tell you why. The roster's not good enough. And what we've seen from Messi has been so remarkable because he is only getting a chance or two a game. We've seen that from every game. We see him walking and finding a position, and then he strikes. But that is not sustainable. Nobody could do it in any sport. If you're Steph Curry, you take one three-point shot or two three-point shots, maybe you make them, but you can't be one for two or two for two or 0 for two. You got to get volume. And Messi's nowhere near getting volume because he's older, because the teammates aren't putting him in the best positions, because he doesn't have a really great striker in front of him. He's had these nice moments because he's messy, but it's not sustainable. I believe Sunday at LAFC that LAFC is going to smash him. 3 1, 4 1. Could be wrong, but I, I, this, is, this is what we're going to see. And I believe Miami's going to be out of the playoff running much earlier than decision day, the final round of the season. And it's just that. I watched it. I go, there's just not enough chances. The game against Nashville, he didn't have any chances. The League's Cup final, any chances. He touches the ball. He moves to the midfield. He puts a dart into the corner of the goal. That should be happening four times, so he doesn't have to pressure himself to do it once. But there it is. It's my verdict. Sticking by it. I feel very confident about it. And... It'll still be fun to watch, but it's not going to be the euphoria of what we have seen, which is, yeah, it's it's crazy because all these accounts are posting stuff from Messi that he did two weeks ago, the goal against Dallas, and they're still getting half a million likes, 200,000 likes for stuff that was three weeks old. It just moves the needle. I think, was it 15 million? Maybe it's more now for Inter-Miami Instagram followers. It's crazy. I mean, I'm trying not to post Messi on my stuff, even though it'd be an easy way to get some likes, but you can get it in other places. I'm trying to lift the league in other places. LA, St. Louis, I talked about him here. Seattle, Portland, we'll be talking great rivalry games this weekend, so catch that on. Quick thought about the Champions League because the group stages, there was a group that... Um, completely grabbed, took my breath away when you're looking at games. I mean, everything's pretty cut and dry. So as we were watching, the, and I got, because I was on a flight, so I was up, I was watching it on the plane, just following along. Group F, which could be one of the razor-edged groups in the history of the Champions League. PSG, Borussia Dortmund, AC Milan, Newcastle. All four could win the group. All four could finish last. Dead serious. PSG is the favorite still, but will Kylian Mbappe still be with that team in January? I think he's happy. I've seen the early games. I think he's happy. I like with Dembele and Vitinha and Asensio. 
there are some good pieces for PSG, which to me, just because of Mbappe, make them a better team, certainly than Dortmund. Newcastle's a different story. Milan, I don't know if they have the depth as exciting as they have been, and maybe we should respect the Serie A a lot more. But I still will go with PSG. Maybe, but that's this is what it's all about. I mean, those six games are going to be amazing, and it should go to the, down to the wire. I don't think there's any other way about it. And a good team's going to go to the Europa League. But that's it. I mean, some of these groups, man. Bayern, Man United, Copenhagen, Galatasaray. I was watching CBS Golasso with their crew. And Galatasaray gets drawn in. And I think Kate Abdo's a Man United fan. She's like, oh, no. And I go, what are you worried about? Galatasaray are not that good. Watch them in a playoff game. They should have lost to Molda of Norway. So it's Bayern and Man United for sure. Sevilla, Arsenal, PSV, Lens. That's a little trickier. I would say Sevilla, Arsenal. Napoli, Real Madrid, Braga, Union, Berlin. It's going to be Napoli and Real Madrid. You can at me after all this. Benfica, Inter, Salzburg, Sociedad. It's going to be Inter, Benfica. Feyenoord, Atletico, Madrid, Lazio, Celtic. A little more interesting. I'll pass on that, but I believe it. I, I don't know. That one, I don't know. Good. Group F we talked about. Man City, Leipzig, Red Star, Belgrade, Young Boys. 100% going to be Man City uh, and Leipzig. Barcelona, Porto, Shakhtar, Donetsk, and Antwerp. I mean, hello? I mean, what happened? I thought we would have more good teams. There's 32 teams. There should be at least 15 that can win it. It's really like five that can win it. Maybe 15, maybe 10 that can, 15 that can make the quarterfinals. I mean, where is the depth in Europe? It's, it's, I, I just, I look at these and I go, I know what's going to happen. I'm not really excited about the groups, except for maybe two groups and one group in particular in group F which is going to be incredible. And then the Champions League gets better. And I think I, I, I'm, if you pressed me to a, a team that could win it, I don't know. I don't know. You'd say Man City, but are they as strong as last year? I don't think so. Are one of these Italian teams going to go up? I don't know. You know, Inter makes the final. Milan makes the semifinal. Am I going to pick one of those? I don't think so. Real Madrid's got its issues. Barcelona has its issues. It's going to be a fun quarterfinal and on. And whoever's more active in January may put themselves up. But we got the draw. Be excited. But like me, you don't have to be excited about all of it. Don't buy it. I mean, buy it, but don't buy all these games. Because you know what's going to happen. But maybe we get a Club Brugge or Bruges like we did last season. The Soccer OG. Rate, review, download, subscribe. We're going to get in the business end. Doug McIntyre, Fox Sports talking everything U.S. soccer. With the USMNT preparing for their September games, we'll talk Burhalter and Reina. That is coming up. Stick around as I'll talk about the Spanish Federation and our coverage of it here in the United States, all here on the Soccer OG. We're back here in the business, and this is always the most exciting. When a U.S. roster drops, we get to discuss it. Uh, people are... Uh, are excited, people are aggravated. We get into all of that uh, with uh, Doug McIntyre of Fox Sports joining us here. And he's, he's, are you still struggling from the jet lag from uh, down under? I guess we, I call it down under because we could say Australia, New Zealand, that's a bit wordy, but technically down under, you get the idea. You get the idea, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a, of a adjustment coming back. Um, I, and like I said, you know, we spoke offline, the way there was fine, no problems at all. Like, you know, hit the ground running. Uh, but the way I paid for it on the way back. So, yeah, just now starting to get my feet under me. <laughs> any any highlight from the trip covering the Women's World Cup? Obviously, this was an incredible event. And uh, I, I told you off the air, this stat, I believe it was Mark Followell said it on a broadcast during MLS that 11 million Australians watched the Australia-England semifinal, which represented 42% of the population. Which, uh, if you're the TV channel, which I think was Channel 7, I mean, <laughs> that's going to look good the next morning to your bosses, right? I go, I think we did pretty good. I think the advertisers are going to be happy. But, I mean, it, it was an, obviously incredible for Australia. A little disappointing for the Kiwis. But for the women's sport, obviously the finish, I mean, I mean the ending has unfortunately blighted it because of the Spanish Federation. But I, we, that's obviously another conversation. But things that accentuating the positive things that stood out there that uh, you will take with you 
so many things, Max. Uh, you know, fortunate to cover a few women's World Cups now. It's a privilege to cover any World Cup, as you know, men's or women's. To do two in eight months um, was a new experience, but um, but wonderful. And and they're all it's like your children. Like you love them in different ways, you know. Um, so yeah, two fantastic um, countries, first of all. And just the way, I mean, you know, you you make comparisons to to like the U.S. You know, it's not the soccer's not the number one sport in yes. Australia or New Zealand, right? Um, so to see the way both of those countries just, you know, caught the fever, they caught World Cup fever. Um, they, you know, to to be on the ground there to see how interested people were, to see you're seeing history made before your eyes at any World Cup, and that's the coolest thing about it. So yeah, it was you know the 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 downs part, you know, the downside of it was the U.S. team didn't do as well as we all hope for, but so many other great stories, um, you know, being at New Zealand's first World Cup win and to see what that meant to the people there and to the players and um, and to see some of the, you know, the the less heralded teams surprised. And there was there was a thought that, you know, there might be some embarrassing scorelines. Um, there wasn't. And there really wasn't. And not only that, you saw, you know, you saw teams like Morocco or the Philippines, like win games at their first World Cup. I mean, so, you know, overall to see how much the the women's game, the women's World Cup has grown, even since France in 2019, and I was there for that whole tournament as well. um, It's just, it's just remarkable. And um, yeah, they, New Zealand and Australia hats off to them. They put on a great show. And, uh, and, you know, again, the, the, the sport is in a better place just a month later than it was uh, beforehand. And it's just incredible to see that firsthand. It almost sped by the men's game and how um, uh, how much how more competitive the tournament could get, uh, and, and maybe it was a blessing in disguise. The U.S. got knocked out, not for us, but from the world's perspective, it uh, it, it it opened up the tournament. And you mentioned Morocco, and I I forgot about them. You know, they made the round of sixteen. Colombia makes uh, a quarterfinal. Jamaica, Jamaica, what would I mean? Imagine the Jamaican men making a round of sixteen. Or like, or, 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 well, no, maybe Columbia did make a quarterfinal, but these are the things that you would never think you would see in a women's tournament and you saw it and it's just going to grow from there. And it was, uh, I thought they, they covered so much ground, by the way, did you uh, enjoy any of the fair? Were you able to, to roll up to any of the pubs, get a couple of. <laughs> not too much. Max. Not, the, food, the food was fantastic in both. Countries. Did you have a meat pie like on the run? I had a meat. I had a meat pie in the stadium. Oh. I, I ended up eating, you know, badly at World Cups. I think everyone that, that you know, they're eighteen-hour work days. You're you're on the move. It's you know different from a place like Qatar where you're in the one city. We were on you know flights and flying around back and forth. So, uh, but yeah, the the food the food was terrific. Um, didn't get to you know get out and enjoy uh, the ambiance. Come on, Dougie. As much as you would want to, <laughs> but yeah, we're you know we're working hard, but. Uh, in those moments uh, that, you know, that we did get a, a couple hours off here and there, you know, fan- fantastic in every way. I, I love what you said about the isolation, that how it affects the U.S. too, because we all, we kind of just watch what the rest of the world does in soccer in Europe and South America. And Australia is the same way. And, you know, I was talking about Ange Postacoglu, who's now the Spurs coach. And I, I tell American coaches, this is inspiring because he's even further off the grid. And he went through the process of coaching in Australia at the lower levels, uh, uh, amateur clubs, blah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets the Celtic job and now he's at Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that happens with an American coach. We kind of got a little bit there with Jesse, but we'll see. Hey, we'll see John Herdman was in, uh, was in New Zealand, right? Anthony Hudson was in New Zealand. So there's, there's something there. It's a, turns out that it's a stepping stone for bigger and better things on the coach. Keep, keep that in the mix. But yeah. uh, uh, obviously the, so much going on. Uh, we want to talk a little bit here uh, about the roster drop uh, for the United States. They have these September uh, matchups coming up against Uzbekistan on the, I have this written down, Uzbekistan and Oman, which is on the 9th and the 12th of September. They're going to be in St. Louis. And then there will be a, a game in Minnesota. A couple more games in October against Germany, Ghana, games in November. So this is going to be a nice busy stretch. The roster came out and, uh, I guess we were there was some injuries out there for players that we knew weren't going to get called in. But by and large, your reaction about the roster, I, I just a couple for me. This is I looked at it and I go, this is really good. You get these guys, uh, you get some new a couple new guys in there. You get some guys that haven't had a lot of development. It still remains a very young team. Uh, but this is, you know, with a few exceptions, if you I guess if you consider the injuries, you'll get these guys that will come in uh, like a Gio Reyna. 
that would uh, fill out the roster where it could be as strong as it possibly could. But I mean, what were your uh, expectations or perceptions about the roster and then the reality when it was dropped, which is also the first we'll talk about Greg Berhalter, his yeah. first roster since returning to the U.S.? Well, that's the thing that struck me, Max. Like, it, it, I know, you know, obviously the U.S. played in the Nations League, won the Nations League for the second consecutive time in June. They played in the Gold Cup with very much a, you know, a C, a C team, no disrespect to the players that took part in that. Um, but let's be real, right? Um, this feels like the start of the cycle, though, right? Like, this, this, to me, that's what this feels like. Like, you know, as much as the World Cup, you know, one cycle ends when the previous World Cup ends, or one, you know, a new World Cup cycle begins when the previous tournament ends, like this feels like the real, the real thing in part, because, you know, we now have the, the guy that's going to be the coach, or at least the plan is to have a coach for the next three years. Greg Brawler's back in the mix. Um, and yeah, it's a full, it's a, it's as close to a full strength roster as you're going to get, going to get, I mean, all everyone that's, you know, that that's healthy and available is there, you know, Christian Plisk is there. I think a lot of folks are excited about him. Um, by the way, you know, hearing that, like, he's the happiest he's ever been. Um, yeah. How yeah. about that? Love and life. Right. So like, you know, two two games, uh, two league games for for AC Milan, two goals. Um, seems to be in a really good situation there. So I'm curious to see how that translates to these up, upcoming matches. Um, and yeah, you know, with the exception of you know, uh, Josh Sargent uh, is injured as well. You mentioned Gio Reyna, obviously he's a big one. Um, but Josh Sargent, Cameron Carter, Vickers, a few other names. Walker Zimmerman uh, is injured. Tyler Adams. I, I'm, I'm Adams. pulling them up, but it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you're going to get that at any, you know, any any window, any tournament. There's a couple guys that are missing because of injury. Um, you know, Tyler Adams and Gio Reyna are obviously are obviously big ones. Josh Sargent too. I mean, those are three guys that were starting at the World Cup, um, you know, eight nine months ago. So you know, sucks that they're out, but a really strong squad um, led by you know led by Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney's there, Sergino Dest there. You know, Matt Turner. I think there's you know six six starters from the World Cup team, maybe more. Tim Weah. Um, and then, you know, it's a 24 man squad and it's made up of half world cup veterans, right? 12 world cup veterans, uh, all, all from 2022. And then, you know, a younger group of players, you know, younger half. So I, I really kind of like that mix, um, because during the last cycle, a lot of talk was about how young the team is, by the way, it's still a super young roster, just over 20, you know, 23 years old. I uh, think, think 300 days by the time, uh, the odd days by the time training starts. Very young, but like you said, with 12 players with World Cup experience. Players, and even with, with Tim Riemann there, right? Yeah. Like, he brings that average up. Uh, <laughs> we'll get a chance to play in his hometown in St. Louis. So, uh, you know, a tremendous story, you know, still plugging away in the Premier League, uh, you know, Tim Riemann. I think he's, he's going to turn 36 soon if he hasn't already. Um, so uh, an interesting roster for sure. And, and yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to see these games. You know, not the sexiest opponents, um, but you know, always good to get the 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 full squad uh, back together and and you know see how they can start building towards twenty twenty six. Not the sexiest opponents, but opponents from a different region, which could mimic a World Cup, which I think we're excited. Was there any snubs you thought of? Because we went over the injured list, and that was the those are the main ones. I don't think anyone would be too up in arms. I would have liked to have seen Georgie Mihalovic in there. The Zach Steffen omissions weird because it, he fell off a cliff and I feel bad. I, I I want him to be considered. He's just probably not in the best place uh, professionally with the clubs, but maybe that will remedy itself and I wouldn't rule him out. But other yeah. than that, I mean, it's uh, it, it seemed pretty well-rounded. Maybe you, you Cade Cowell makes it maybe a scoop up a couple of the under 20 guys, but I don't think you do too much of that. Was there anything yeah. that stood out snub wise? Can't quibble too much. I actually think Zach Steffen is is a little knocked up. I think that's part of, uh, or a little bit injured. I should say that's part of the reason why uh, why he's not there. I mean, one guy that, and again, you can you can quibble, but nothing major. Paxton Aronson, uh, maybe a guy who I might have wanted to see. And 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 Greg Berhalter did a, a conference call with reporters after the roster was named yesterday. I know we'll talk about that later, but he did. He was asked about Paxton Aronson and basically said, you know, the important thing for him is to get established with Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, he's, you know, he's already played for them this season. He made an impact off the bench, but the next step for him is establishing himself as a, as a starter there. So we'll see, uh, Brandon Aronson's younger brother eventually, uh, interesting that those two are both in the Bundesliga this year and, uh, you know, be fun to follow them. Uh, but yeah, beyond that, Max, I, I can't really, uh, can't really complain. I don't think there's any obvious glaring omissions here. 
Brandon Aronson is, is interesting because he hasn't really been in the, the best form. There's the lead, the end of the lead situation, which is still affecting Weston McKinney. Is he's locking minutes up for um, Juventus and the Tyler Adams coming back from injury. Hope to see him at Bournemouth, which is very exciting. But the, that lead situation took a toll, and uh, it's interesting. I just bring up Brendan because it, it kind of tells me that. There's a group of players that we thought these are locked in players to get called in. And obviously Polisic and Gio Reyna with, you know, an asterisk because we've got to see what happens there. But I would imagine he's a lock to get called in. Tim Weah, there's about there was about 12 or 13. But is there is that thinning out because of the competition coming from behind? Because I would look at Brendan Aronson. I think he's a lock in at any time. But the he, these players have to be a little leery about some of the competition because it's some of the competition we haven't been aware of yet. It's going to start growing. Young players are going to come to the forefront. More and more are going to be able to make that move. Uh, that's going to make this a, a more difficult roster to make. No, I mean that's a that's a high quality problem to have. And you, you, know, you can talk about the <laughs> roster, right? But you I'm just looking for problems, Doug. That's my <laughs> that's my that's my thing. <laughs> well, you, t- you know, you talk about roster, but look at lineups too. I mean, you like I would have said, you know, Brandon Aronson. Maybe he's not in, in good form at the moment, but, um, you know, there was a time in the, the summer of 2022 when, you know, I think a lot of people would have had him penciled into the, the starting lineup at the World Cup. And, you know, he fell off a little bit. Um, but then, you know, you look at, like, look at who started on the wings. You had Christian Pulisic on one side uh, in Qatar and you had Tim Way on the other. And, you know, for all the hand-wringing about Gio Reyna during the World Cup, and now we know, you know more details, but like, you know, that's a position, you know, that's a pretty deep position. And, uh, you know, no, I think, I don't think too many people would argue that, that Tim Weah and, and Christian Pulisic both scored at the World Cup uh, deserve to be on the field. And if they're on the field, then that, you know, that's going to mean that other good players aren't. So, uh, again, that very, very good problem for, uh, for any coach to have. Um, but you're right, like, given how young the team was the last cycle, inevitably as more players you know move up and get better and improve and push for minutes um that competition is only going to get fiercer and that's a great thing for for the men's national team two inner miami players benjamin kramowski and uh drake calendar who have been excellent certainly since the arrival of leon messi i would imagine that helped them make this roster as well neither probably uh plays in these two games possibly uh, we shall see. I don't want to rule that out, but this is uh, this got people going on social media. I know Franco Panzio, who uh, covers Inter Miami, says that Kremashi really shouldn't be considered. Uh, it, 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 it ballooned up. There was a talk about, hey, he didn't make the under twenties, and then there was like some reports that he was going to make it. He didn't go. Uh, then he makes this. I, I don't think he's on the level based on what he's done to do it. But I'm not against pulling him in here over two friendlies to see how he. He matches in there considering the the great form that he has been in, considering the great players that he's been playing alongside, which rubs off on you. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the specifically about Kramaski, not so. I mean, Calendar, I think also Aaron's on his merits with what he has done in this league's cup and that competition for the third goalkeeper where we talked about Zach Steph. And that's certainly a little bit more open for someone to seize an opportunity. He did it, but Kramaski, young player, Argentina has got potentially his eyes on it i don't know how 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 serious that is but you never know certainly it's argentina the, the best in the world right now how, how how did you feel about his inclusion well i i you know i had an, an inkling he was going to be on I, I reported last week that he was on the provisional roster and i you know seemed clear that he was going to get called in for this camp and you can understand why i mean i guess the question you'd ask is if this guy's not a dual national and he doesn't you know he, he he doesn't have Lionel Messi and he doesn't have Tata Martino in his ear, um, you know, pl- plugging the Argentinian team. And by the way, obviously, this is not a guy who's going to step into Argentina's first team <laughs> any, anytime soon. Um, you know, he didn't, you know, wasn't on Argentina's under 20 roster. He might have been on the U.S. roster. I I, I don't know for sure, but I believe that um, he didn't want to put himself in a position where, you know, if he played in that tournament and wants to, you know, commit to uh to Argentina later, have to file a one-time switch. So that might have come into it. Uh, you know, there obviously this guy's been a pro only for nine months back. So he, he signed a homegrown deal with Miami last November. So pretty remarkable um trajectory that he's on. Uh he's been he's been good. He's been, I mean, he's not even starting for for Miami all, all the time, but you can see his upside. And you know, he was on the, you know, he was in camp with the US 
um, the MLS-based U.S. players who were on the World Cup team last year at training camp. There was a training camp in Dallas to sort of keep, you know, the Walker Zimmermans and, and Shaq Moores and Jordan Morris's fit ahead of uh, the trip to Qatar. It was combined with an under-20 camp. Um, and Ben Karofsky was was there. So he was under Greg Berhalter's nose uh, for, for those, you know, for those couple weeks. And Berhalter actually mentioned that yesterday when he when he was asked about uh, about Kramoski and, you know, said he really impressed and, you know, his tenacity impressed him. So I think, you know, you've seen with other dual nationals that there's been a willingness to bring them in, uh, oftentimes during friendlies, and just have them get a feel for what the culture is like within the team, what, you know, how welcome they're going to be made feel, um, which by all accounts uh, is extremely welcome. This is, you know, you've been around the U.S. players there. You know, they're pretty, pretty down to earth uh, guys. They're, you know, easier to break into that team than, than a lot of teams. I think the fact that it is a young team is good for young players because they're going to come in and feel more comfortable more quickly than they would if you're, you're walking into a locker room when guys are, you know, 28, 29, 30 years old, they have, you know, mortgages and kids and all, and all these things. So uh, a good moment, I think, to bring, to bring, um, to bring Ben high in. Um, but, you know, I, I, I agree. Like if this was a world cup roster being named tomorrow, he would he would not be on it, um, but certainly a player for the future, and I think that that's what the the thought process is there. Uh, that's such a great point about the spirit of this club because it it had to have been a draw for Zendejas, yep. going back to Ricardo Pepe, certainly with uh, Flo Balogun. He said it himself. I mean, this was that's, the list goes on. You know, that he would be part of it, and yeah. now you have Kramaski and then Lund. Uh, it's Christopher Lund. What is your your what is your playbook on Lund like I I I got nothing I'm afraid I know he's yeah. a left back left footed I, I I have to be honest I did not know much about uh, Christopher Lund until yesterday did um, that surprise you who's on there was there some some sort of yeah. flyers going out well, there I, I I did not know he was going to be on the roster so I think that surprised uh you know a, a lot a lot of people um but yeah left footed left back and you know if you know the history of the U.S. men's national team you know that that's been an extraordinarily difficult position to fill over the years. Uh, Anthony, you know, Anthony Robinson, uh, the first like real left, left footed left back. Um, and I was, I was having a conversation with someone else about this the other day, like that I can never really remember playing for the U S team. Like everyone else was, you know, either a converted, <laughs> That's crazy, but it really is though. Think about it, right? Like, like you think about, you know, there was converted midfielders, whether it was Eddie Lewis or, or DeMarcus Beasley, um, who were left-footed players, but they were wingers, and then later in their career they're pulled back to to fullback, um, you know, or guys that play, or guys that were center backs like Carlos Be- Bocanegra, Tim Ream were left-footed, right? Maybe can play as a left back, or guys that played on their off their off foot like Frankie Hayda way back when, you know, started every game at a World Cup in 2002 for the U.S. Uh, as left back despite being a right-footed player. So not too many guys out there, um, you know. I, I still think Sam Vines is in the mix. He's going to be playing Champions League. Uh, football th- this year um, suffered an unfortunate injury ahead of the World Cup last year. I don't think he would have been on the team, but but certainly seemed to be the guy that was that was behind Jedi at that left back spot. Although Berhalter said yesterday that no one's really grabbed that 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 understudy role uh, behind Jedi, and that you know that's part of the reason Linda's in camp. Um, but that's not a situation where you know he's he's going to feel out whether he wants to choose. He's made the decision to switch from Denmark. Uh, you know, petition FIFA for a, a one-time switch of association. So he'll be committed to the U.S. going forward. And and uh, you know, young player with a lot, a lot of he's playing in Serie B in Italy. Um, but you know, certainly someone to keep an eye on. And uh, you know, we're going to get our first look at him, or at least the coaching staff's going to get a first look at him in this camp. Not sure if he's going to play. He'll have to get approval from FIFA for that to happen. Uh, but you know, those things generally don't take that long. So it wouldn't shock me if he actually gets on the field in one of these two upcoming games. But it's worth a squeeze, no? I mean, for this, it's worth a look. I mean, people, I mean, obviously you don't want to, someone's at home that could have been on this roster and was it Sam Vines? He didn't make the roster, right? It could have been a Sam Vines. And he's, that's disappointing for him. And by the way, he started for Antwerp as they get into the Champions League, which is a huge story and all the momentum. So this player is disappointed, but I still think it's worth the squeeze because maybe we'll see Sam in October. I don't know. But I I, I have no issue with Kramaski. have no issue with Lund. Neither do I. Okay. Yeah. Virtual handshake, Doug. We did it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Quick, quick little pivot to the Champions League. I think it's 10 Americans there. I mean, some will play. It wasn't like it was two years ago where we had a guy in the final. We had two guys in the final. One was playing. Zach Steffen was observed. But there was like, there was at times eight guys playing. I'm looking at this list. uh, I think 
There's five or six. There's two or three that will play definitive minutes. Two or three others on the periphery. There's obviously Pulisic. A lot of people are saying Milan's going to win that group. So we could have this magical run. Knock on wood, he stays healthy. Um, I don't know. I mean, Dest is obviously featuring for PSV. They're in a tough group. We'll see about Gio Reyna. And guys like Sam Vines and some of the other PSV players. uh, Well, Sam Vines will play, but I don't know how far. It's not going to be a big adventure. How did you see about the participation of the Champions League? How excited should we get about this group? I mean, I, you know, Max, I'm, you know, this is the OG soccer pod, right? So like uh, soccer OG pod, I am also an OG. Thanks for the branding. I appreciate that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I remember well when there were, if there were any, you might've got one or two a year, whether it was Tim Howard at Manchester United or, you know, DeMarcus Beasley way back when with uh, PSV, John O'Brien, like I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but this is, this is really good. Yeah. Your memory's holding you up. Right. So like, you know, to get to the point a couple of years ago where on a, on a, you know, a a match day uh, where like you can't, like you can't watch all the Americans that are playing because there's just like, there's not enough screens that like to see them all. You'd have five or six guys playing on the same day. Uh, You know, that, that'll never get old for me. Um, But you know, a couple other guys you didn't mention, like Brendan Aronson, uh, Jordan B. Fock with Union Berlin. They're also on Champions League, you know, um, and Sam Vines, like you mentioned at Antwerp, first time they've ever been in the champions league. So that, you know, that's, uh, that's going to be a great experience for him. And certainly something that if he plays well, that's going to stand him in good stead to get back into the national, the national team. I mean, there's, there's no better, uh, you know, exposure than playing, uh, you know, than, than playing, uh, you know, against Barcelona, right. Um, uh, in the champions league. So uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great thing. Um, Milan's group, AC Milan's group, very interesting. Obviously Eunice Musa, obviously uh, with the Russian area as well. Uh, but you know that's the group of death right I mean that you know PSG uh, in there as well you've got Dortmund so potentially uh, you know Gio Reyna against uh, against Christian Pulisic and Yunus Musa um, so very very tough group uh, very tough group there so uh, yeah if, if, if AC Milan could win it uh, and of course they went to the semifinals last year and uh, you know they've won the they've won the thing seven times so I think certainly uh, they're capable of a deep run. And, and again, Christian Pulisic must be loving it because obviously Chelsea not in the Champions League this year. So, uh, you know, to be able to play in um, in those high-profile games uh, and be a key player, a guy that's going to be relied on on that team, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he can't wait uh, for that competition to kick off in a, in a few weeks from now. He's allowed to stick it to Chelsea because uh, they didn't do him any favors. So if he wants to, he's he's been he's been up above it. He hasn't said any, I mean, few things publicly, but hasn't really aired out any dirty laundry. More power to him. I didn't mention Yunus Musa, who in a short amount of, in his first stint with AC Milan, as we're all as all of us are watching Milan games, and it's been a really nice watch. It's been pleasant. Yeah. It has been awesome. good football. It's the I, I'm glad to see the Serie A officiating is is. Um, confused with VAR as we are in many in major league soccer and the Premier League, so that's that's that makes it more appealing to watch. I didn't mention Cameron Carter Vickers, who is Celtic, and they're in a group. Maybe I doubt Celtic has enough to do that, but Feyenoord, Atletico Madrid, and Lazio all are better, but not you're not dealing with Bayern or one of the heavy hitters from the Premier League or PSG or Barcelona, so maybe. So maybe we'll see about the round of 16. That's uh, we'll see how, uh, how it does it, but we'll, we'll put, I'll put the over under in the round of 16 at, uh, at four players, maybe three and a half. Is that too generous? Uh, no, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're right about it. Are you going on? You're taking the over Doug. Take the over. I'll take the over. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Maxie. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Uh, yeah. And look, if PS PSV manages to, uh, to survive somehow you get three right you get three for one so uh but yeah they're in a they're in a tough group so that'd be that'd uh, be amazing and, and you know if they can get finished the second ahead of one of those teams they'd, they'd, they'd be in a in a good place psv i i had an argument with uh hercules and a couple other folks because i go i'm worried about Pepe because it's one thing not to start but he's not playing at all even in a game where they're up five one did not come off the bench I said, that worries me. He goes, it'll be okay. They'll have a lot of games. I'm like, eh. I mean, when you're not playing, that means the coach there, um, not comfortable with you, at least not now. That could change 100%. And he looks happy. I saw him celebrating with his teams. But it feels very Augsburgery. That's a completely invented word. <laughs> not so much Groniginny 
Again, I'm out of control here, Doug. I got to stop. All right, is, are there any concerns? Or we just wait this out? Am I am I am I way too uh, accelerated on this? No, I mean, look, Luke De Jong's a starting striker there. He's a he's a veteran, and and he's going to start most of their their certainly their important games. You know, certainly their Champions League games. But you know, injuries happen. It is a long season. I agree with her that, um, you know, once you start, you know, you get in the Champions group, group stage, you have very busy games every week. Like Pepe will get his starts, um, but he's going to have to take advantage of them. I mean, that's really what what it comes down to so uh i wouldn't get too nervous just yet but um but yeah my kids doug i get nervous i'm sorry i I I get nervous i understand i want to be the angry dad (laughs) no exactly but look and and you know there is there is the part of it that you know for strikers especially confidence is so important and if you're not getting games you're not scoring goals you know that can go south pretty quickly which i you know i think obviously happened when when peppy first moved to europe uh, was able to find that confidence at, at Groningen. So hopefully, you know, he gets a few games under his belt. The nice thing is that if he does play Eredivisie games, he's going to score a ton of goals because <laughs> if you could do it for a team that got, you could do it for a team that got relegated from that league. Uh, I think he'll be, you know, he's going to get a. There's a ton of chances for any any player in that league or any forward in that league. But certainly, when you play for you know Fire Nord, Ajax, or or uh, or PSV, you're going to get tons of chances. You're going to win most of your games. So I think you'll be all right. I, I'm trying to talk you off the ledge here, Max. No, I, I pre- it, that that makes a lot of sense. And hopefully, PSV stays in this European adventure longer. If they don't make the Champions League round of 16, maybe they go to the Europa League. They keep De Jong uh, busy. He's looked great, so there's no reason to switch around. My only concern is maybe get maybe five, ten minutes. Uh, but again, yeah, he scored a ton in Groningen. Maybe he'll do it at PSV. I could probably score a couple if I got some minutes in the Eredivisie. Not that, just as an experiment, maybe. Stop laughing, Doug. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the box. Everything, yeah. Everything's great. We have so much to celebrate here with U.S. soccer. Yet I get on uh, the uh, I get on social media and there's outrage because of the situation with Greg Berhalter and uh, Gio Reyna. And I'm a little conflicted about this because, first of all, I think Greg Berhalter is creating a problem for himself by not addressing it, getting it out of the way. But then I put myself in the shoes of Greg Berhalter and I say, I'm angry. This should never have happened. And it happened. And I get to deal with this the way I want to. The investigation uh, certainly sided with me and saw it that way. Uh, I would like I would I just think now it just hangs around him. So he would do himself a service to kind of reach out and put it out and Certainly move forward. I mean, and incorporate Gio Reyna. Hopefully in October, he didn't have to do it here because there. But it's it's complicated. And you know, I know you know Greg gets vilified a bit there. But I just I think everyone's got to just proceed with caution here because this is a very delicate situation, and he has the right to handle the way he is. It's just it's just odd because he's now in charge of the national team. I think, uh, you know, reading the article in Vanity Fair and going back to that, him getting the position. Obviously, it was going to put uh, Crocker and company in some into the crosshairs because people you said, why would you have them sit out? I understand all that. But it seems to me they went through the process. They saw the managers. They talked to the players. And we already addressed that this is a happy camp. The players, this is the place to be based on the dual national signing up and the success that they have had. And every time they come together, you're at those camps. You see the the positivity. So all of that says, OK, well, Greg. I would have thought it was crazy if the the national team did this just as, you know, they're not going to spite anyone. I believe they went through their due diligence and they got back to it. But then we have this situation which is hanging over it. And uh, we'll hope, uh, hopefully it gets resolved soon. It has to certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And the, the one one thing, you know, for, for, there's a couple of things to this, right? Part of this is, you know, part of me feels like the best thing that could have happened for Gio Reyna was for Greg Barlow. Greg Barhalter to come back. Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah, because if not, right, like, so the players made it very clear. I mean, some of them publicly, but certainly behind the scenes with Matt Crocker, U.S. Soccer Sporting Director, that, you know, they felt like Greg had, had earned the opportunity to continue the work, um, that, you know, there was a culture that had been built under him um, that that they wanted to continue. And if, you know, if there was a perception that, hey, you know, this, this guy, meaning Giorena, like, is responsible in, in you know in, in any way for getting that guy fired like you you know or, or not retained or not rehired there could be some resentment there they, they could you know they could linger right like so 
the fact that Brawler's back, like now that's off the table, right? The players got what they wanted. I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not sure that Matt Crocker, you know, when he went into it was thinking that, that Greg Brawler would be the guy to bring back. There's certainly, you know, there's certainly baggage there that the Federation has, has to deal with as much as, you know, I think they also maybe don't want to set a precedent that, you know, a player's parents can get, you know, get rid of the coach if, uh, if there's a disagreement about playing time. So lots of, I mean, there's lots of parts to this, Max, right? One thing that Burhalder said yesterday, uh, and I agree, my initial impulse is like, you want to get that meeting out of the way as fast as possible. Um, I mean, Anthony Hudson, who was the interim coach, uh, went over, flew over to Germany and met with Gio Reyna, right? Before bringing him, before bringing him back in, um, you know, for, for those, for those March games, uh, March Nations, March Nations League games. Um, so, you know, you wonder like, hey, you know, should, should Greg have, have done that? I mean, he, he talked about, um, he was asked about like what he, what he's been doing over the summer. He said he spent a lot of time with like, you know, Premier League coaches that were over here touring with their teams, right? Gio Reyna was in the U.S. for a, a lot of the summer. Like he was, you know, he was with Dortmund. He didn't play in their preseason, but they they spent part of the preseason in the U.S. Like there would have been opportunities to meet with him, you would, you would think. But one thing Greg said yesterday was that, you know, the last six months, and it's longer than that now, but you know, a lot of stuff's happened and time has a way of, of making bad feelings lessen, I think. Right. Or, or at least they, it, it, it can where, you know, the, the temperatures lower, like, you know, times pass, things are, things are on the bridge. And, and I think that's maybe, you know, based on what he said was part of his thinking that there'll be an opportunity to sit down with Gio before he comes back into camp. He would have been in if he was healthy, he's not. So he's not. And that's why they haven't had that, that meeting so the meeting will happen at some point um you know i think that and and certainly reading between the lines and reading the vanity fair article like you know i don't know if the relationship between greg berhalter and and danielle and claudio reyna can ever be repaired um but the relationship between geo reyna and greg berhalter should be able to be repaired um he's not responsible for what his parents did he was responsible for what happened at the world cup that's on him he did apologize the team had moved on. Everyone had moved on. Um, so you would think that there's a way that they can find some common ground uh, and and move forward because they they both want the same thing. Gio Reyna is passionate about playing for the U.S. He's one of the uh, you know one of the country's top young players. He's a brilliant player. We saw you know we're reminded how how good he was during the Nations League. I mean, phenomenal display. Unfortunately, gets hurt again. Um, but um, you know, a guy that that you know Greg Berhalter needs to find a way to reintegrate and find a way to work for, you know, move forward with. And I, I do believe that that will happen. I think it'll happen. I don't, you know, I don't, th and, and it is interesting, like, you know, they've, they've known each other since, you know, before they became coach and player on the national team. I mean, this is someone that was very much looked at uh, as a, as an uncle uh, to Gio Reyna, you know, someone he's known, like, like literally known since his entire life. So, you know, I would, I would hope that, if they they both want the same thing, and I think they do, that there's going to be a there's going to be common ground that they can find, and you know they're both grown men. They should be able to to put it behind them the, them and and work work forward and uh, you know move forward together. So that's the expectation I think on all sides. I think that's what we'll see. Um, but you know there's the national team job comes with criticism, uh, you know, and and that's you know that's part of it. And 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 frankly, you know, Greg opened himself up to some of that criticism by admitting that he hadn't spoken to Gio and by doing a, you know, a magazine interview before he has that conversation with Gio. So, you know, that, that's part of it, but um, you know, people love to complain also. And, and Greg brothers become a lightning rod for criticism and no matter what he or how he would have handled this situation, I don't think it would, it would stop the the folks that um, you know, that, that he's not popular with from, uh, from finding fault uh, with it. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but um, I certainly expect that they'll be able to move forward together and, uh, and, and help the U.S. team succeed. Doug, that was brilliant. And I heard things from you that I haven't heard from other people. And I really appreciate that. I just want to, because I was taking notes, but you said, Greg said he would have been in Geo if he, if he was healthy, correct? I believe that's the case. Yeah, okay. I, mean, I believe so. He's not, there was yeah. no way he was leaving him out for this camp. Oh, yeah, that would have, if, and then that, and that, that's part of the reason why you don't have to rush into the conversation. But like we both agreed, um, that could be it. But I think there's a lot of relatable stuff here. Now, take away what happened between the Reynas. And I mean, that is, you know, worst case scenario. But just the, the, the idea of 
players not seeing eye to eye with coaches. I, I, I can speak for myself. I played sports. I remember there were star players on teams I played with, and they didn't see the coach. And you mentioned Anthony Hudson going over, and then you have the good guy assistant. That happens all the time in sports, and it works fine, even though the coach, they'll respect each other at the end. But sometimes they don't have those conversations. I tell you, it happens in the NFL, the NBA, the Premier League, everywhere, for sure. And what you said about the resentment that could have been caused if Greg doesn't come back because of this, uh, that is really interesting because that would hang. When Greg meets with Gio, whether it's tomorrow, October, or whenever leading the World Cup, at some point we figure it's going to be quelled because they're going to look back and they both made mistakes. They both admit it. But they would, if you can't go back if Greg's gone there and the, the player base would not easily forgive Gio. Yeah. They wouldn't forget it, certainly. They wouldn't. For, I mean, I'm sorry. They, they would forget. They they wouldn't forget it because this yeah. also started because they were complaining that he wasn't performing or practicing at the level at the World Cup, and that upset players. That rubbed them the wrong way. So, I think yo, you you're you're talking about dodging a, a more serious situation. They may have done it. That's a really a lot of good food for thought. It's an intriguing story. It goes on and on, but uh, it's and and the familiarity between the two is also there. Uh, yeah. So I don't want it to go away because it's it's interesting to talk about it. I, and I, I would imagine that the U.S., you don't have to answer this, but the U.S. soccer um, agreed to do the Vanity Fair article. I would imagine there was a lot of other places, including Fox, that would have loved to have a chat with G, uh, Greg Peralta. And the fact it didn't happen was probably U.S. soccer said, no, we'll do one. Um, and they he fleshed it out there. And he could have not had to, he, he didn't have to do it either. It would have been weird because everyone wants to talk about it and he has to. You can't do an article and not ask about Gio Reyna. Well, that's the thing. No matter who got the first interview, that's what everyone wants. You know, that's what yeah. I, that's that. Those are the questions that need to be asked. Right. And, and if they came, for instance, they came to you. Go. By the way, no Gio Reyna questions. They go. No interview. I I, I would oh, look like a fool if I did exactly. an interview with you and I can't ask you that. Exactly. And he's going to continue to get asked about it. I mean, I you know I had the first question in the in the Zoom call yesterday, and um, I felt like I had to ask about it. Right. I mean, it's yeah. just like. You have to you have to ask, and he'll continue to get asked. Um, and eventually, one day, maybe it goes away. But we'll see. I mean, again, it's it's captured the imagination of so many people because it's so layered and so you know silly in a, in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. But Greg, like all of us, where we we all do this, we push it down because we don't want to have that serious conversation. And eventually, we say we can't go on. We have it, and they're like, "Why didn't I do this sooner?" So maybe yeah. that's it. What a, what a what what an incredible team we cover, Doug. U.S. soccer. Don't let it go away. Don't let it ever stop. But a lot of exciting stuff ahead. I'm excited for you. I uh, hope you've caught up on your sleep back from Australia, New Zealand. And uh, let's look forward to these games. September It's going to be a lot of fun. Two big wins for the U.S., right? I think so. Uh, I, think <laughs> so. I mean, it is interesting. So it was supposed to be uh, Argentina and Brazil this window before Oof. South Africa changed its qualifying schedule and decided to kick things off a bit early. Uh, so, um, so yeah, not, not quite the same level of opponent, but, it, but again, you know, a good opportunity to see, um, you know, most of the top U S players uh, back together uh, as they really now begin this road towards the 2026 world cup on home soil, um, which, you know, it, it's incredible to think, I mean, it's what two and a half years away uh, at this point is that, am I, am I off there? Uh just yeah, it's that sounds true. Because <laughs> it was a three, three it started three and a half out. You're right. Less than three years away now, right? So it's it's uh it's coming soon. And and you know, again, for, for an OG for OGs like you and me, Max, um, you know, I, it's 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 something that I, I we can't, you know, we just can't wait for and it's gonna be so special. So we can't, but slow down because we know once it comes and it ends, it's over. We slow down. This is maybe our yeah. last world cup. This is probably maybe the last world cup for for me. I'll say that in the US, I should say. I mean, maybe yes. I'll be uh, I'll be a real I'll be a, a dog, as in a, a dead og, by the next time we host it in 2060 or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I hope not, Max. I hope we're both there for that. Uh, well, I hear our- cryogenics are great, and yeah. uh, you know, I, I was they were showing that interview with uh, Eric Cantona about <laughs> wanton boys and how he's going to recreate cells. So maybe we'll live to 120 or 130. To go off on a big tangent. Doug McIntyre, Fox Sports, joining us here in the business. And Doug, always a pleasure. Thanks for your time, buddy. Great stuff. Pleasure is mine, Max. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
We'll be back with the stoppage time. I'm going to wrap up what we've heard about Luis Rubiales and the Spanish Federation very quickly. I'm not going to dwell too much on it. Uh, and we'll be next. That'll be next on stoppage time. Time now for stoppage time. And uh, we discussed uh, the situation with the Spanish Federation and uh, the Women's World Cup winning team. What you know, horrible cloud it's put over what was an incredible achievement uh, when Luis Rubiales kissed Danny Hermoso on the mouth uh, at the trophy presentation. You know, I've had conversations with people, and part of what I'm going to talk about here on Stoppage Time is culture. And when, you know, my outrage, many of you, um, is responding, oh, that's the Spanish culture. And, you know, it got me thinking, but I go, look, I don't care what the culture is. That should not happen. He should be fired. He should resign, whatever it is. And we thought he was going to resign. He came out and said, I'm not going to resign. And he did the whole Wolf of Wall Street um, renegotiation there at the end. So he, um, you know, and the world football continues to mount um, its displeasure towards this, hopefully pounding, mounting pressure, which it's not really working, as we have seen. The Spanish Federation is not budging. I mean, it's so crazy. Luis Rubiales, his mother, had this hunger strike. She had to go to the hospital. It goes on and on. And it's just like, I wanted to go away. And I, I, we, you think about it, how does it go away? And how do things get better? And sadly, they don't. That's right. They don't get better. It is a cultural thing. And while we're appalled by it, and I was outraged, and I see the constant outrage, and there's a lot of accounts, and I was watching CBS Sports Colasso, uh, and there are shows, uh, they do a great job, and everyone's really angry and outraged, and they should be, but it's like, what is this doing? You know, Men in Blazers, they're showing all this stuff uh, about Rubiales as a player, and and it's, it's nonstop. And I go, okay, what is the end game here? Outrage, outrage, outrage. Much like we did with the U.S. soccer. Outrage. Everyone's angry. Everyone's angry. Now, there's two different things. The U.S. soccer thing is is kind of flippant with towards Greg Berhalter. This is, we should be angry about this. But it's a reminder about the cultural situation in different countries. And how good we might have it in certain, in, in women's sports, but not across the board uh, in, this, in the United States. And that's part of my issue with the outrage. We just went through all of this horrific... Uh, process at the NWSL with these coaches and sexual harassment. Some of it's been alleviated. Some is not. Lots been swept under the rug. Spain doesn't want to change. So what do you do? Do you throw them out of football? That ain't happening. You wouldn't be able to call it a World Cup anymore. And the Spanish women get affected. The Spanish men, you would just throw them out. And the, Span- and the Spain, is, they, they are, will call any bluff. They'll go, you want to throw us out? Fine, we don't care. Don't tell us what to do. And that's the crux of the issue. We go outrage, outrage, outrage. But what's going to happen? Maybe the accounts that are so outraged, maybe they go on a hunger strike. But all I hear is this outrage. And it's rudderless. That's all we do. We get outraged. We go, what are we going to do? We go, I don't know. I don't know. I wish the Spanish Federation would act and get rid of them. He said he wasn't going to go. They support him. And here we are. And you hope things will change in Spain with the pressure of guys like Xavi and that who have already spoken out. But no one's going to do anything drastic. We saw that at the World Cup with with a World Cup in Qatar and women's rights. Everyone got quiet. It's not going to change. So let's let's some of us stop getting on our pedestal and talking in outrage, especially if you're not going to do much. Maybe stop covering the sport if that's something that's true to you. I'm not saying to do that. But it can't just be words. And unfortunately, the actions we can't do. We're not Spanish. We can't tell these people how to proceed with their culture. And we can't keep getting upset because they'll laugh at it. But it's everywhere. In Spain, we saw it. In Italy, it's different. What we do applies. They laugh at us to even suggest that we got to change. They go, get lost. You don't tell us what to do. Nor should we tell them what to do. It's just unsettling that that's the way it is. But guess what? Our culture kind of sucks too. They'll point your fingers and go, oh, well, what about maybe getting some guns off the, uh, uh, out of the schools? Whatever it is. How dare you get on a pedestal and tell us how to do things? 
I mean, look, at the end of the day, I wish it was a perfect world. I wish these things wouldn't happen, but they do. And change doesn't come because no one's really ready, ready to do it at that point. This is typically telling, but I'm not going to sit here and hear more outrage and outrage from people that aren't really going to do anything other than post how outraged they are. It's exhausting. Someone's going to do something important and I'm going to applaud and I'm going to get behind that. But let's be selective with that. Had to say that because it's just been, it's been going on. It is a very delicate situation and it's, it's going in circles, but we're willing to listen, but we're not going to change a culture. Not in a minute, not in a year. It's troubling. And uh, I hope there is a day, uh, I'm not that optimistic, where women's sports and women's rights are, are held at a high esteem, where they don't have to go with Hermoso did the World Cup. But I'm not optimistic. Soccer OG. Trying to give you a spin like nothing else here. We're trying to be real. We're not trying to get clicks. We're trying to have a conversation. You, me, you, we all get in there. You can have a conversation with me. Drop me a tweet, Max Bretto Sports and Bretos on Instagram. Uh, go to YouTube. We'll be posting a video about the U.S. men's national team. We're here to discuss important things and do it in an, uh, a realistic, uh, articulate, and adult-minded uh, way. Rate, review, download, subscribe. Thanks to Doug. Thanks for you all checking out. Appreciate all the support. We'll be back again next week with another Soccer OG. Until then, Placido Domingo. <laughs>